welcome back for the, um, the final session of today of Asbestonomy. Uh, so the session is about uh, asbestos removal and innovation. So we're going to talk about uh, end-of-life management, uh, recycling and waste uh, valorization, and uh, trying to find uh, smart ways to uh, divert uh, some of the uh, asbestos that's being removed uh, from uh, landfills. Um, we're going to face, plus there's another thing, we're going to face uh, shortages of some uh, materials and some chemical elements in the future. I guess there are only so many copper or whatever atoms of the planet, so at some point uh, with the uh, electrification and things like that, we, we'll, we'll have to go circular uh, for the economy. So that's another maybe uh, incentive um, to find ways to treat uh, smartly the asbestos removal. So we'll, we're going to talk, the, the speakers for this end of the afternoon will talk about some of the technologies that are ready. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to cover the whole range of uh, technologies that can denaturate asbestos because there, there are many thermal, uh, chemical uh, fermentation, I guess. We could work too mechanical. So we might not cover the whole range. Uh, thermal will be uh, important this afternoon. Um, we're going to talk about robots as well. And, um, and also the curse of innovation. Sometimes uh, when you innovate, you face the uh, incumbents uh, who uh, make sure that uh, you not occupy center stage. So we're going to start with uh, Michael Blas. Um, so Michael is a business development director of uh, DI Environment, a French leader in, uh, in asbestos removal. Um, and especially in uh, a specialist, sorry, in quality control and certification. Uh, DI Environment, you're going to let us know about the company, but it's a family business that was transformed uh, into a specialist, uh, from a specialist in insulation to a specialist in asbestos removal. So, Mikhail, it's up to you. Hello, um, thank you to the organization for giving us the opportunity to present our developments in asbestos risk management and in particular in the automation of asbestos removal. And uh, of course, uh, thank you for still being here to listen to this uh, presentation. Uh, you're the best. Um, so, um, so as uh, Philippe said, I'm the, the development director uh, of DI Environment. And uh, in introduction, I'll just take two minutes to present you uh, the company. Uh, DI Environment uh, is a French company, pioneer and market, and market leader in the French national asbestos removal market. The company is no longer young since uh, its creations dates back uh, 1987. Uh, at that time, Frédéric Rosati launched uh, in France uh, an activity which was innovative for the time which was the projection of insulation. Uh, the company became the market leader and worked with major French contractors. And uh, fast forward a few years, in the middle of 19th, a, pot a potential client who was dealing with a rehabilitation project came to see us to provide our expertise in insulation spraying activity and say to Frédéric, um, I have to put some insulation, but first I have to remove uh, a material that poses some problem called uh, asbestos. Uh, do you know how to do that? As an entrepreneur, Frédéric immediately replied, yes, of course. And uh, this is how he found himself managing the asbestos removal project uh, for the Fleury-Mérogis prison in France, which uh, at the time was uh, one of the largest asbestos removal projects in Europe. Um, at this time, uh, it should be remembered that uh, asbestos was not quite removed as it is today, and uh, the regulations were still in their infancy. The environment has therefore been present on the fresh asbestos removal market since its inception and has accompanied all its um, all its uh, development, sorry. The nurturing of a market uh, in its early stages has instilled in the company its appetite for the implementation of innovative uh, techniques and technology. 
um, today we manage around uh, 1,000 asbestos removal sites by year. And uh, as I said in introduction, we are a family business. So you have uh, a photo of the creator, Frédéric Rosati, the older one in the center, and uh, his uh, three children who are also part of the adventure. And uh, so far on the left, you can see Hugo Rosati, the current uh, leader of the company. So as I, um, oh, sorry, uh, we are all above uh, a family business that invests in uh, impact activity. Uh, that is to say we invest in activities that will have a beneficiary impact for all stakeholders involved. Because our funding principle is to clean up pollution for the benefit of people and the environment. We are very proud to, of our work which ultimately reduces the health risk for the population. We are very proud to return factories, homes, offices and schools that are depolluted to their intended purpose risk-free. The asbestos removal activity unfortunately also generates a lot of waste and we are constantly working to minimize, to minimize its impact. So today, um, we, we have about 10 offices in France and five uh, branches abroad. Um, we work a lot, abroad, a lot abroad for companies that decide to remove asbestos while respecting fresh regulation, legislation, with it currently the most uh, widespread and strict in the world. Furthermore, we have about 50 operators in uh, Ivory Coast who are, for example, trained and monitored, like uh, our French personnel. Um, today, the environment makes around uh, 70 uh, million uh, euros in revenue, employ more than 500 people with uh, 350 uh, trained in subsection 3. Uh, among these operators, some are trained for chemical or explosive risk environment as well as for works in an ionizing environment. Some are ACPA. Um, uh, qualified for repainting after removal of hazardous paint, in particular lead paint. And from July, we will have an additional 80 soil remediation specialist because we are acquiring a specialized branch from an international player in the field. Um, at the environment, as uh, we will see in the next slide, we have a culture of manufacturing our whole material particularly in terms of asbestos removal, and we manufacture roughly um, 4 million euros per year of equipment directly in our workshop in Montelimar. So Montelimar is the world capital of Nougat, where our head office is located. Um, as I told you in the introduction, we start working in asbestos removal when this market was still... Um, in fancy in France. At this time, there was no really any specific equipment yet, and that is why, as our history progressed, we manufactured uh, our own equipment. For example, we have made our own air extractor and electric electrical equipment. But above all, we also want to optimize the time spent in the zone for our operators both to increase our treatment uh, rates, but also and above all to remove hardship in the work and prevent, prevent musculoskeletal, musculoskeletal uh, disorders. Uh, this is why we developed a built sailing sander mounted on GRF to prevent our operator from working with their arm in the air during one day. Similarly, we have invested in creating devices to help with wall sending, as well as implement uh, the use of uh, remote or simply radio-controlled means of work, as can be seen uh, on the side. In the search of permanent innovation in our profession, that has led us to reflect the robotization of asbestos removal, which was now materialized, materialized with our Challenger plant. So, now, let's talk about the Chalandre project. Uh, here, to the left, you have Chalandre before. Uh, to the right, you have Chalandre after. It's green uh, before and after, but uh, you have um, a splendid uh, red plant uh, now. <laughs> and um, 
and let's make a, a, a quick abroad on the history of the project. So we, up, we, work, um, we worked with the French National Railway Company and uh, its regulatory interest us with equipment to be decontaminated, except that we wanted to have a substantial market and, it, and not simply receive parts randomly and without any added value for our business. Our client told us that uh, he already had free dismantling plant in his supplier panel and that it was not worth trying to enter this market, both, for, both from a financial and technical point of view. We persist and our client entrusted us with several test sites on which uh, we were able to experiment to experiment with a large number of asbestos removal techniques and technologies. There is, of course, the classic removal by hand, sandblasting, heat, cryo cryogenization, water, and finally, shot blasting. This solution seems to us the most effective and innovative because uh, it combined uh, several definitive, definite advantages. This method took advantage of a rebound effect on the surface, um, which means that it would be, it would eat the insonatic, the polluted um, uh, area, insonatic, but more effectively, that uh, is to say, the polluted, uh, polluted element could be easily treated, even. Uh, in its least accessible corner because of the rebound effect. The abrasive agent uh, we use has a great advantage of being re reusable, uh, approximately uh, 40 at uh, 100 times until it turns into blast, into dust, sorry. Uh, thanks to this, we have, um, we have a much lower ecological impact than uh, with the classic sandblastic techniques. We avoid burying hundreds and hundreds of tons of polluted sand in the ground. So, um, of course, shot blasting also has come disadvantages such uh, as the fact uh, that uh, if the operator stays too long in the same place without moving, he will penetrate the surface that is being treated, for example. In terms of safety, shot blasting is more dangerous than sand, as uh, should it the operator, uh, it would hurt more than sand. The dismantling market for railway train is characterized by a very long-term contract. So an equally long-term investment in the industry had potential. It was uh, at this time uh, that the idea of the robotization uh, made, it, made, it, made, made its way. Uh, a robot is precise, it tolerates pain and hard labor better, and especially in the context, uh, in the context of uh, 10 years contract, this solution will safeguard our operators from thousands of hours of zone entry. We therefore contracted a supplier of industrial robots who design equipments that met our needs. We came up with uh, realized uh, uh, the design of the factory from scratch and optimized it to make it as functional as possible. The project was presented to our client and we subsequently applied for a tender for uh, 1,300 coral cars to be dismantled, which we won and that is how the projects got on track. It was a risk for our company, but also for our client, who was going to award a 10-year contract to a company that did not yet have a dismantling center. Here um, on the screen, um, you can see a one-minute time-lapse of the construction of the, our dismantling center. So in Chalandre, the weather is uh, like in London. It's always blue. <laughs> you always have a good weather. It never trains. But we, had, we have a lot of fog in Chalandre. <laughs> So 
So the factory was uh, was built uh, in um, just one year. We we have uh, one uh, the, the the first two two lines were were um, available. Here you can see um, the picture of uh, the the factory built. Um, so here you can see a picture of the robot just uh, after he started his job. Uh, he was still very, very clean. Now it is more gray. Uh, you, you cannot see the, the red, the beautiful red, uh, you cannot see it. Uh, for fun, we decide uh, to put an operator with his PPU next to it. And uh, so in summary, our factory is uh, 10 million of euro of investment. Um, we installed uh, 300 kilowatts of uh, installed photovoltaic power. We are on the, um, on the factory. Uh, the abrasive agent is a recycling cycle uh, 40 times, 200. We have two autonomous stripping robots and we created uh, 40 jobs in this place who, uh, who is a, a complicated place uh, for the employment in France. So this is a general view. Uh, well, you can see where is Chalandre. Uh, <laughs> so the factory is located in Chalandre in the northeast of France. Its location offers advantages. It is connected to the French rail network and it's less than 30 kilometers for two major highways, which serve the north, south, and east and west axes. The plant itself is structured by uh, three working lanes, uh, uh, two uh, of which uh, are robotic. The flow is logical and it uses processes that maximize efficiency and effectiveness. We have a storage area. Uh, that can accommodate uh, one uh, one thousand and five hundred uh, linear meter of train of train car. And there we enter the so-called uh, green uh, green zone, and this is where we completely remove all the interior trim from the car and carry out the initial sorting of materials. The work area is optimized in order to carry out this element sorting activity because the objective is also obviously to sort the removed elements as much as possible in order to recover them or even send to recycling facilities. Once this work is done, we enter in the so-called red zone. Uh, this is where we have our two robotic cabins on the sides um, on the side lanes and the central lanes, uh, which is made for more manual works. In this red zone, we have an absolute dub double filtration, double air filtration system that recycle two, um, 200,000 uh, cubic meters of air every hour. So the, the village of Chalandre is very happy because he has uh, an air uh, very, very, um, very, very fresh. Um, and a focus on the robot and how it works. These two cabins, which are isolated from the rest of the red zone, we have developed a standard program for the functioning of the robot and uh, we are able to adapt it when we have different types of equipment to process. We also apply an AE algorithm that learns continuously to optimize the processing for the removal of the polluant. Um, during this process, the abrasive agent is projected, uh, projected at a speed of uh, eight, uh, 800, uh, 800 kilometers, and therefore, if it um, were to stay too long in the same area, it would quickly crew through the material to be cleaned up. It's in fusion with, uh, with the metal. This is not a big deal for equipment to be dismantled, but uh, in the case of a renovation, it could be problematic. At the end of the treatment, the robot is programmed to blow all the abrasive and the polluted 
material towards the sieve that constitutes the wall floor which will sort and recycle the abrasive so uh, that it can be reused. And directly attached to this, uh, to this robo area, we have a second area uh, who is always uh, also is isolated uh, that allows us to carry out certain finishing or repainting uh, operations since it is also a clean room. So Chalandre uh, in winter, little bit uh, of uh, snow. Uh, <laughs> so here, um, here we are at the last slide of my presentation and uh, it is therefore time to show you uh, our factory on video. Let's start, yes. So um, I hope you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the presentation of his, this innovative plant, of which we are particularly proud. Uh, a simple number: the dismantling center works 24/7 uh, for 11 months of the year. We automated removal of the pollutants, make it possible to avoid to avoid approximately. Um, 14,000 hours of works in contact with asbestos each year. Thanks for your attention. Uh, he's the chairman, the chairman of uh, uh, Thermal Recycling UK. 
uh, you have a background in uh, asset management and uh, real estate investment, which is, you know, different. Um, now you're, you're at the helm of this uh, startup company um, doing, uh, denaturating asbestos using uh, high temperature and kilns. We're going to explain everything um, in details. And your idea now that you have a proven concept uh, is to create a, a full-scale uh, plant and a network of industrial sites. Graham, you have the floor. Well, good afternoon. Um, uh, as Mikhail said, I'm astounded that you're still here. The hottest day of the year, Friday afternoon, and here you are. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, I never like that photo. Let me see how I can get rid of that. Right. Um, so I'm the uh, chairman of Thermal Recycling. I've been doing this for um, about four years. Um, as uh, Patrick said, I've done many, uh, many different things. I've worked for, believe it or not, over 40 years. And I'd have to say that this Thermal Recycling is the most interesting and worthwhile thing that I've ever done in my working career. It, it's interesting, I mean, we're all here because asbestos actually is very interesting. It's interesting because it's incredibly challenging and it's worthwhile because, you know, I think we all would agree that asbestos really shouldn't be going to landfill. And we have a solution for a global problem. And what I'd like to do, if, uh, if I can master the technology, is just start with a, a short video. It's, it's about two and a half minutes, uh, but it's taken us 10 years to get to the stage where I can show you a two and a half minute video. And it just, it just shows you what, what we do in our plan. Thermal recycling diverts asbestos-containing material away from landfill, transforms it into a new substance that is asbestos-free, and we recycle that substance to use as an aggregate. Denaturing is a process that changes the essential characteristic of a substance so that it is no longer that substance. By the end of the process, what is left is no longer asbestos and the material no longer contains asbestos. It is actually a new substance. This is a unique kiln. It's been designed specifically for this particular product. It's got a burner system. It's got really tight temperature control. It's a moving hood kiln that lifts up, moves along and sits back down. And on the kiln specifically, we've got large doors that are hydraulically operated, that come down and encase all the material inside the kiln. As the kiln is reopened, the crusher system will take the material down to a powder size. So the end material, this is the actual material as you can see from here. So it's a dust material now. And as you can see, we, this is all loaded into the bag. And this material is fully safe, denatured, and can then be reused and recycled. Now that we know that our technology works, we're looking to grow in three ways. The first way is that we want to build a full-scale plant as soon as it's possible to do so, and as soon as we, we, we know that we have the support of the asbestos industry and the interest of the asbestos industry for us to do that. Secondly, we know that our technology can treat all types of asbestos. At the moment, we're only treating cement-bound asbestos containing chrysotile. We know that our process can work for other types of asbestos, and so we will extend the range of types of asbestos that we can treat. And finally, we want to have a network across the UK and internationally so that we can treat as much asbestos as possible and divert it away from landfill. Oops. Oh, even, even worse going forward. Um, and since we uh, made that video, which was um, quite early on, we've done a lot of additional work. And one of the things that we've done is, is done a lot of work regarding the treated material, uh, which we've given the name of, of CalMag. And the 
work that we've done has shown that it can be used as a cement replacement. And why that is, is really important is that, um, as you, you, I'm sure you know, but the production of cement is one of the most CO2, um, the biggest sources of CO2 emissions in the world. If, if um, cement production was a country, only China and America produce more CO2 emissions than the production of cement. And by um, mixing um, cement and, and CalMag at about 10%, the amount of CO2 that is saved by using CalMag is greater than the amount of CO2 that we use from, uh, from firing the kiln and denaturing the asbestos. So we are a truly sustainable and circular economy business. Um, but what I'd like to talk to you about today is, is the bigger picture. You know, we are an innovator, but unless innovation is adopted, it doesn't make a big difference. And we want to make a big difference because, as I said before, asbestos should not be sent to landfill. And we want to have a part in diverting as much asbestos away from landfill as possible. And to do that, you need to have a viable alternative to landfill. And so what I'd like to talk to you about is actually the viability of developing an alternative to landfill in, in a broad sense, not, not just what we're, we're doing. I'm going to talk about three elements of viability. Operational viability, commercial viability, and economic viability. And I'll explain what I mean by those, those things. Um, so if we start with operational viability, you know, the starting point for, for anybody with, um, with a solution of how you can convert a, carcin a carcinogenic substance that is resistant to uh, fire, heat, chemical and biological change into a new system, into a new product, sorry, and be able to do that in a way that is safe, safe for people, safe for the environment, a way that's um, efficient and effective and consistent. That's the first stage of having an operationally viable alternative. And the other part of it is you have to be able to do that on an industrial scale. And it's a huge challenge to take something that's been done on a very small scale and then do it on an industrial scale. And to give you a sort of feeling, it's just a small example of the sort of challenges that, that, that we've had to overcome, is when we were building, when we knew we were going to build the demonstration plant, uh, we knew that we would have to put the uh, asbestos into the kiln some way or another. And our, our kiln can take about 10 or 12 tonnes in each firing. And so our challenge was, how do we do that? And so we um, knew that we would need a container, and we developed what, we, what are called stillages. And these very shiny, brand-new stillages are what we, what we developed. And we knew that they would obviously have to withstand high temperatures for long periods. And so in the year up to, um, up to the launch of the plant, we put some of the materials in working kilns to test how effective they were uh, in heat for long durations. And those tests went pretty well. We built these stillages. They're incredibly expensive, tens of thousands of pounds. After three firings, we realized they weren't going to last for that many firings. And so we had to redesign it and rethink about it. And that's a small example. But when you're doing something on an industrial scale for the first time where there are no precedents, everything you do is a challenge. Everything is a problem that needs to be solved. And that's one of the reasons why I actually find what we're doing so interesting. Um, as I say, very challenging. And then, aha, that's my next slide, but we'll stay here. <laughs> commercial viability. So 
the beginning, the first stage of commercial viability is that we need to have a service that we can sell at a price that people will pay. If we can't do that, then it isn't a commercially viable solution. Um, and because we think, well not we think, we have a service that is much better than landfill, we think it's right that we charge a premium for that service. People should be paying more to send it to us than to send it to landfill. And we work with contractors in the UK and what they find is that where they have clients that they know care about the environment, they care about sustainability, they offer them two quotes. They'll offer them a quote to send it to landfill and a quote to send it to us. And more times than not, their clients choose to send it to us. So we know that some people are prepared to pay a premium. But we also all know that the bigger the premium, the fewer people will be prepared to use it. And there are always going to be people who will just always go for the cheapest option. And when people are judging the value, our only competitor is landfill. So the price of landfill is really what determines whether what we're doing is, 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 is a reasonable price or not. And that's where governments come in. In the UK, the landfill tax is £98.60 for, for sending hazardous waste to landfill. In Germany, there is no landfill tax. And actually, I discovered uh, today in talking to Sven that in, in um, Flanders, there is no hazardous waste landfill tax to encourage people not to uh, throw it in the woods or whatever. And I, I, I found this research um, showing that across Europe, there are very different uh, approaches to landfill tax. Some countries have it, some countries don't. Spain and Italy, it's different by region. I'm not sure whether they have a difference between hazardous and non-hazardous waste. But my point is that to develop a viable alternative to landfill, if the price is too low in a country or in a market, it's very, very difficult to get people to, to switch because our technology, and I'm sure anybody else in our position, has invested a huge amount in getting to where they are. To build new plants requires significant investment and we have to be viable as a company as well as viable in terms of the market. So um, the price of landfill is, is an incredibly important aspect of developing an alternative to landfill. And finally, um, <laughs> I, I know what's happening. I had, I had slides in between these, these things and I, I think they've disappeared. I'll just leave that there for the moment. So what I mean, when I say economic viability, and it's been touched on already today, is, is that there is a limited capacity for landfill. Um, Sven said that there's, there's 3 million tonnes in Flanders. I think it's 3.2 million tonnes in Flanders. You know, that is a lot of landfill, and there isn't enough landfill to take all of the asbestos that's in the built environment. That's certainly the case in the UK. And every year that asbestos goes to landfill means that our marketplace for an alternative to landfill is smaller. Every year that goes without an alternative being developed, our market becomes smaller and the attractiveness for someone to invest in that market becomes smaller. At the moment, it's a good time because there is still plenty of asbestos left in the built environment. But as landfill fills up um, and the market gets smaller and smaller by definition, because uh, the landfill, uh, the asbestos is being sent to landfill, there'll be a point at which there is no point 
There is no economic viability in developing an alternative to landfill. And therefore, it's really important that everybody engages and encourages an alternative to be allowed to develop for landfill. And that's where, again, governments can, can come in. Uh, I've been moaning to anyone who'll listen how useless the U British government is in terms of helping people like us. Um, obviously, not all governments or some governments are a lot more engaged, but it's essential that governments engage. They own more buildings with asbestos than anybody else. And so um, a theme of the, the conference is that we, we have to get on and do it. And I think all of us have to help to create an environment in which an alternative to landfill can develop. And that was all I wanted to say for today. So thank you very much for still being here. Um, we're going to welcome to the stage the, uh, the last uh, speaker for today. I'm delighted to welcome Olivier Pla um, with me here. Um, Olivier is the deputy CEO of uh, Europlasma, a company that is based in a region of France that is uh, most famous for the French wines, good wines, and, uh, and aeronautics and laser technologies. Um, so Olivier has a background 25 years in the nuclear waste management, including in the UK and Switzerland. And now you're going to talk to us about how to denaturate asbestos using uh, plasma torches. Olivier, floor is yours. Uh, I prefer ground picture. So, <clears throat> okay, ladies and gentlemen. Last but not least, uh, I hope you will enjoy this presentation. Um, I find out not so many people are aware that there is this small company southwest of France that provides a vitrification service for asbestos. We've been in operation for 30 years. We have vitrified processed asbestos waste for um, quantities above, well, several tens of thousands of tons. And uh, chrysotile, amphibole, all types of uh, asbestos waste. What we get at the end of the day is this kind of rock. Uh, you may have seen it uh, sitting in our booth. Say hello, Rocky. Hello. So um, this is a silicious, and you will find the magnesium, all the other chemical species you have in the original uh, asbestos material. Molten, mineral form is like basalt, sometimes like obsidian as well, and the outside when it's uh, cooled down rapidly. So, <clears throat> this plant, we have an annual administrative capacity of 8,000 tons, a, and we are planning also to develop new sites in France and abroad. Um, we have this material, Kofalit, this is a trademark, a, used as of today as a stabilization material for road construction, civil works, a, and also this year we'll set up a pilot on our site to use this as a media for energy storage in the form of heat. We are working with a partner also from Southwest France on this project. Uh, I'll show you some pictures as well later on of uh, diverse uses of uh, cofalit. Uh, people can be very creative about it. So this material is reusable, recyclable, and um, this is uh, actually in force. So we deliver, and to our knowledge, we are the only company in the world as of today to deliver an R code for recycling according to the Basel Convention. So we are receiving as well waste from uh, different countries around the world. You see the bottom picture, an example close to our facility of a road construction involving our production. 
just a few words about the, pro the process. <clears throat> you probably have seen the videos that are running on our booth since yesterday. Basically, we receive um, the ACM waste. You see a picture of a truck, but we are also connected to the uh, railroad network, so we can uh, receive uh, trains as well. The material is crushed in a confined area. It's crushed because we have a very high temperature process, 1500 degrees with plasma torches, and we need a very smooth, constant feeding into the furnace. Plasma torches, mass destruction weapons, um, extremely efficient converters of electricity into heat. So at the tip of the plasma plumes, uh, we can have a temperature that ranges from between four and 10,000 Celsius. The uh, atmosphere of the furnace is at 1,500 Celsius. So within a fraction of seconds, of a second, when the waste is entering the furnace, the fibers are molten are destroyed, and then the material will be uh, incorporated in the glass bath, poured, solidified into this kind of rock. I might have the same question as Graham before. How do we test this material? Do we have chrysotile? Do we have amphibole fibers, etc.? The answer is no, we don't. How do we know? We ask ITGA and other labs as well in France. Uh, we've been controlled over 30 years. I mean, people get tired also of always testing, so we do our own checkup controls uh, on a routine basis, and the authorities make their own controls, either routine or they can drop in anytime, take samples, measure whatever they want. And so far, nobody has ever found a, a single asbestos fiber remaining. <clears throat> what kind of waste do we process? Well, basically everything. Um, asbestos cement, insulation, coatings, tiles, whatever. You have asbestos containing waste, you don't know what to do with it, send it to us. We'll just uh, feed it into the furnace, it will be vitrified with the rest. One of uh, our Requests, however, is to have a um, efficient sorting and true declarations of what we are receiving, because we need to operate also at the best operating point of the factory. So we like to know what we are receiving. You will see, Graham, if you move to other waste types as well, that uh, sometimes uh, declarations are not so precise. Uh, we have taken the decision uh, to deploy this year a big scanner, the like of which you find in airports. So we control the content of all the packages we receive on site. We don't like, for example, to have an undeclared metallic bar in a big bag because uh, it will uh, uh, require a human intervention sometimes into the crusher in case we have a blockage. We also have uh, on our side a white cell that uh, allows us to process a number of uh, um, oversized equipments. In particular, all the building frames, window frames, doors, etc. You can have. You can send to us directly. We will dismantle it, recycle what has to be recycled and vitrified the asbestos. We have also received not uh, 1,300, but we have received some ray cars on our site as well in the past. Uh, some airplane components, boilers, you know, the big boilers you have in, uh, in big buildings for the heating, and so it's metal contamination with some stuff, and this, this stupid asbestos gasket at the bottom of it it's always a pain to do it inside. Just take out the boiler, send it to us. We manage everything. So I mentioned creativity. 
Chaumont, Southwest France, an artist wanted to have these Japanese steps in a park. Uh, road construction site. Another example of a heat storage system. Uh, also some uh, gabion walls. Gabion walls in cognac. Um, some artists have uh, produced um, jewels, furniture, lamps, whatever. Uh, next uh, display will be, I think, in September or October, in uh, close to Beaubourg in France. One artist from Galerie Lafayette will display a massive sculpture with uh, about three tons of coffelite. We'll see. Why do you select vitrification over landfilling? Basically, all the international policies, so it's true in Europe, and it's probably still true in the UK, place recycling and reuse way above landfilling. You probably all know this pyramid on the right-hand side on the slide. Second reason is we actually destroy asbestos, so we eliminate completely, entirely, definitely the risks linked to asbestos. We take, by the way, all the risks from our customers. We take the ownership of the product and we take ownership, we manage these rocks. So it's a cradle-to-grave service we provide. Please note also that we have very, very, very low releases. It's a dry process using the brute force of plasma torches, just sheer vitrification. No addition, nothing, just nuclear power, lots of love, and magic happens. Just also from a macroeconomic point of view, um, if you don't landfill asbestos, then you will need this space for some other waste flows for which there is no alternative from a political point of view, from a citizen point of view, from a macroeconomic point of view. That's an added value as well. Just uh, um, a few references. Uh, I don't know. The French National Assembly, the European Parliament, they send all their ACM waste to our facility. So why don't you pass a regulation to force all the others to recycle asbestos? Yeah, they are the workers in the facilities, so they try to do their best, but they don't have the power to introduce legislation. Ministry of Defense, etc. We have about 10,000 entries in our customer database. That's about it.